you are listening to the Spiritual Warrior Coach with Barbara Sabin, the podcast for discovering how powerful your wisdom, compassion, and courage is. Get ready to join Barbara and her guests as they explore and offer you advice on how to reclaim your power, your energy, and your authentic self. And now, here's the host of the show, Barbara Sabin. So thank you for joining me today, and welcome to the Spiritual Warrior Coach Podcast. I am your host, Barbara Savin, and I am here to help you reclaim your power, your energy, and your authentic self. I am a certified and clinical and medical hypnotherapist, Reiki master and teacher, energy healing specialist, life coach, and best-selling author of Gentle Energy Touch, The Beginner's Guide to Hands-On Healing. You know, I have been helping my clients for over 35 years, and I always mention to them how important it is to think positive and to truly love and believe in yourself. You know, your mind is going to provide you with your greatest challenges in life because it's so very, very powerful. So let's use that mind for positive thinking, creating harmony, balance, peace, love, happiness, and anything else that you're hot desires, because one day the world will tap you on your shoulder and say, this is your time to shine. And speaking about shining, I'm going to bring on my shining guest right now. Deborah. how are you today? Oh my gosh, what a beautiful opening. I'm great. I'm right there in that positive thinking. Oh, what a beautiful introduction. Oh, well, Thank yeah, you. Thank you for having me. I'm super oh. grateful and blessed as always to share time and, you know, share this energy, which I think oh, is and I really... was so happy that you said yes to me. I says, oh my, she said yes. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Well, it was meant to be. And I, I, I truly believe in that alignment, like when things are meant to be and when that shift happens. So thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. So Deborah, let me tell my listeners about you. Deborah Driggs. She is a published author, writer, entrepreneur, addiction recovery coach, and she is definitely on a healing path. From her start as a Playboy centerfold to her life as a Screen Actors Guild member, and later being in the top 5% in the life insurance industry and being a member of the Million Dollar Roundtable, Deborah has had to clear many hurdles in her life. While it seemed like Deborah's success came to her easy, nothing could be further from the truth. And rather, she has had to overcome a number of challenges in life to get where she is today, including overcoming addiction. So what is true as a part of her character is her willingness to take risks, maintain a positive attitude, and never say no for an answer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Living proof. Here we are. Here we are. What a beautiful intro. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. So, you know, I was reading your bio and, and I said, wow, she wanted to be an ice skating athlete. That was the, that was yeah. the original, the original plan. plan. And I was really dedicated to the sport. I, I have such fond memories of that time in my life because I think that's where some of my foundation really got established. And 
working with coaches uh, towards the end of my skating career. I had three coaches, Doug Chapman, Darlene Dyer, and Kathy Steele. And they all provided something that was missing in other areas of my life. And I, I say this all the time, especially when I write, it comes out a lot mm-hmm. that that time in my life, I think saved me in a lot of ways because I wasn't getting the things that you need as a child in my home environment. I was mm-hmm. getting them on the ice skating rink. And there might've been a big part of me that wanted to be on the ice because of that too. So I really look at that as well, you know, and I, I've never thought about it for a long time. I will say this when I, when I stopped skating at the age of 15 for a long time, I kind of felt like this, that was my first kind of abandonment feeling, you know, when you like, I I was really griefing, not going to the ice every day because I had a whole Mm -hmm. community for years and I think I had a lot of sadness around that for a long time. And then it wasn't until like really when I started doing the healing work, as you know, when you start doing healing work and you start reframing things in your life. Now I look back and I have a completely different way that I think about it. And it's just really so much gratitude for that time and what it gave me, because I think that's where I got most of my tools. But that's what happens. I know for myself, uh, I've always been a healer. My grandma was a healer and taught me as a child. And and then when she passed away, right before my high school graduation, um, I said to God, I'm done. I'm, I'm not doing this no longer. And it's amazing how life challenges actually get us back to where we need to go. And it took me many, many years to finally forgive me for being angry at her for dying, forgiving God, because I always thought he took her from me and um, just really saying to myself, you know, I I haven't been my authentic self, you know, until I reached, you know, my forties. And so, yeah, it's amazing how, when we look back and we say, wow, there was a reason for all, a lot of this. It's hard to understand many a times the reason, but uh, it's it's there. And and hopefully, you know, we actually understand and we get it and then we move forward in life. Yeah, it's so true. And I love how you how you've mentioned, because I think it's really important for people to hear that you didn't get to your authentic self until you were in your 40s. And I find that that is a, a very similar story with a lot of people. I know for me, it took my 50s. You know, I had glimpse, I had a glimpse here and there of who I was authentically, but I was covering it and masking it with so many things mm-hmm. that it took a long time for me to be able to just sit still with who I was. And like, everything was okay. Nothing was going to happen bad to me, you know, but I don't know mm-hmm. what I was, I was really running from something and, yeah. or a feeling I just wanted to escape the pain so badly and but today it's like, I can finally just be okay. And nothing yeah, else has to happen. Mm-hmm. Nothing. It's like, I wake up, I do my thing. And we're good. It's real simple, right? Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I, I work with two girls that are a lot younger than me right now. And I want, you know, because I think people think I'm a lot younger than I look. <laughs> yeah, you. I, when you mentioned 50s, I said myself, no way is she not 50. I just turned 59. Wow. Okay. Two two days ago, I just turned. Well, happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. And so 
I think because I do come across, I have a young spirit mm-hmm. and I'm working with one lady who's 35 and another one who's a little bit younger. And I want so badly to shake them, you know, because I can yeah. see them going down and, you know, everybody has their journey and you want to, I can guide, I can't tell people what to do. And so I just guide, but I'll say, you know, you might want to learn from the things that didn't work for me because it took me so too long to figure it out. And I'd really love it if you got it now, because you're, you're, you have like all this beautiful time ahead of you. And you know, what we, what I couldn't see in my thirties, I can see so clearly now, Oh, you know, but it's because I've done the work. Well, that's it mentioned, Mm -hmm. you know, you've done all these years of healing and all of that. When you do that work, I think what happens, I don't know. And you tell me if this is true for you, but when I started on the journey of healing, I thought it was just going to be like, okay, I'll read a couple books and maybe I'll talk to a few healers and do mm-hmm. a little therapy. I'm good to go. No, no, <laughs> no, no. This is an ongoing journey. This is an ongoing exploration. And I just know that the longer I'm on the path, so to speak, or the longer I'm on this journey, more gets revealed. It gets more and more fascinating And Mm -hmm. life just seems to get a little bit easier. And so why would I change anything? You know, exactly. Like, you know, I, I look back and I say, wow, it, you know, I, I began getting back into the healing in my, when I was 40 and now I'm 74 and I look back and I say, wow, that was a lot See, of you don't you know. look 74. <laughs> What's either, the healing? <laughs> my friend, my new friend. What? I would have 74. never guessed that. Mm-hmm. Oh my I turned gosh. 74 in September. And the ironic thing is that my my grandma and my mother, they should rest in peace. My grandma was born September 3rd. My mother was born September 3rd. And I was born September 3rd. So we had three generations. Three, three, three. Mm-hmm. Three, three, three. Yeah. I'm really it, into it, numbers. Yeah. And 13 right? is third. I'm born the 13th. Ah, okay. Friday the 13th. Friday so the, the 13th. 13th is a lucky number for me. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's, it's amazing how when we finally look back and we say, okay, I understand. Wow, I was on such a roller coaster ride. Yes. But it was there for a reason. It was there to help me grow, to help me understand, and to become the person that I am today. Yeah. And that's exactly right. And it's, you know, all the things that I thought were so devastating and unique, like all these mm-hmm. things happened to me. And I was just in this unique spiral story. And it's like, there's nothing really unique about my story. It's my story. <laughs> Just story. It's unique uh-huh. to me, but it's really not that unique. You know, I have an addiction. I suffer from suicidal stuff when I'm in my addiction, not when I'm, when I'm not in my addiction, I don't ever have those thoughts, but when I'm in my addiction, when I'm really deep in the ism of my addiction, it's ugly, you know, it can take, it's a mental illness. It can take you out. And, you know, I, I realize now that my real purpose, my real journey was to get sober so that I could be of service. And the interesting thing was, you know, when you do the meditation and that's what I said, you just get more and more excited about what it is that's happening because I go, Oh, and I have that, aha, you know, like everything lights up. It's like, I feel like the cartoon (laughs) where the the birds are flying and it happens, but I'm in my meditation Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking about it. I'm reflecting 
And all of a sudden I realized I have been a teacher my whole life because it started when I was young. My first little business, when I was in grade school, I think I was in sixth, seventh grade, my neighborhood was very Asian in Torrance and they were all moving from Korea and Vietnam. They were moving to this little area that I lived in mm -hmm. on Yukon street in Torrance. And a lot of the kids could not speak English. So I would get the workbooks, make copies at my, I was at a private okay. Catholic school and I'd come home and tutor all these kids to speak English. So I've been teaching from a very young age. And then when I was doing adventure racing, I had all these women asking me to train them wasn't a certified trainer, but because I had something they wanted, all of a mm -hmm. sudden I was training these women and taking them on hikes and doing little boot camps. And I thought, I've kind of always been in this role when I'm in my good, good ego, you know, that mm -hmm. good, the good journey. And when I'm not in my good journey, I, I'm not, I'm not of no use to anybody, not even myself, but it's interesting to reflect and look at, look at that. Somebody asked me recently, and I think that's probably why I reflected on it in my meditation was, how did you become a coach? What's a coach? You know, what, is, what does a coach do? And I said, well, it's when you've exhausted every possibility out there. Oh, yeah. Even therapy. Even the best seminars that are available out there that where you jump up and down and try to get motivated. When you've exhausted all those possibilities, you'll usually seek out someone like me because it's unusual. And it's like, well, okay, maybe she'll be able to, I don't have a magic pill or anything, but I can guide you. And I said, I'm more of a guide. I don't even like to use the word coach. Well, that's the wisdom that you have for everything that you've been through. Yeah. And, and that, so, I feel the same way. Yeah. It's all, it's all wisdom. Yeah. You know, it's not that we have all these degrees and everything. No, we, we have all the things that have happened to us for us to understand, to help others. Exactly. And the beautiful thing is, is that now I really enjoy, I take a lot of extracurricular, you know, things where I do get little certifications here and there. And just because I want to keep exploring mm -hmm. and growing and learning, but the real, the real, where I really help people is when I go, I know what to do for that. <laughs> you know, uh, been there. I know how I can tell mm -hmm. you how to not take a drink today. I can tell you how to help with your relationship issues. I, you know, I can tell you how to step back and wait 24 hours before you do anything. You know, there's certain things that I just think now the clearer I get, as you know, as a Reiki healer, when mm -hmm. you're helping other people's energy, because I've had Reiki done. A good Reiki healer has very good energy. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. and they, really- they've, they've actually helped themselves heal of a lot of the challenges that they've been through. Right. So obviously then you can't transmit something you haven't got. So unless you've gone through your own stuff, mm -hmm. you know how you can't really do something that you really haven't been through. And so yes. I'm sure that when you go to put your hands on somebody- there's magic that happens. Oh yeah. That's, I that's always... the beautiful. Oh yeah. And, and it's, it's not me doing it. It's, it's upstairs doing it's, it and offering right? me. Yeah. All this incredible healing wisdom and all the visions and the hearing and seeing and just knowing. Um, yeah. And uh, it's a, a, a beautiful thing. And, and I always thank God so much for um, 
putting me in this path, which was a very challenging path, but I, I stuck with it. And I, no matter how much I was bullied and made fun of as a child, uh, I, I, I stayed with it. And I, 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 as, as I said, you know, once I got past that thirties and right when I got into that 40 is when I said, all right, I need to do something because I started breaking down, you know, on spiritually, emotionally, physically, I started getting sick. So the only way that I found for myself to be healthy was to get back into the healing modality and, yes. and, and do a lot of forgiveness and acceptance. And that boy, that forgiveness key, it's key. It's, tough. it's everything, right? It's everything. It is everything. It sets you I free. always say, I have a kind of a little joke. I always say, <laughs> what would the St. Francis prayer do right now? You know, yeah. it's kind of my little thing when I get into my, cause of course I'm going to have those moments where I'm just like, you know, and then I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, Deb, what would the St. Francis prayer do right now? Cause I read that prayer before I go to bed. And so sometimes during the day, if I get in that mode where something's kind of, you know, because it comes in right. And oh, it does. sometimes it comes in unexpectedly and it's like, and so that's my new go to what would the St. Oh, yeah. Francis prayer do, you know, <laughs> then I, then I pull it out and read it because it, oh, yeah. it really shines the light very quickly Yes, on what the issue is. And it's usually something where, you know, if I want to be forgiven, then I have to forgive. If I want to be loved, I have to love, you have to love, you know, mm -hmm. and you can't, you just, you know, it's, it simplifies something that can be, can turn into an unnecessary complication. Exactly. Yeah. I feel the same way. I know you know, if I'm having a hard day, I always say my God's prayers because then I know the light, the love, the presence, the protection is always there for me. Absolutely. And, and then I feel better. I feel different. And I say, okay, you know, on to the next. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, on to the next. Yep. So yeah. you, I mean, you were a playboy centerfold. How, yeah. how did all that happen from wanting to be many an many skin. moons ago you know we you know we change <laughs> cells and skin you know I feel uh -huh. like that I I'm not even that same person you know um you know it's 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 kind of odd for me even now to even think back to that time in my life because it was a very ego driven time of mm -hmm. life you know it was just I just wanted so badly to have all the attention and all attention. the eyes on, on me that was my first addiction was eyes on me, you know, you. over here. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd get on tables and dance and, you know, everybody attention. And I, you know, and I was kind of like the it girl for like five minutes in Hollywood. And so I had all that going on and I had people call, my phone would ring off the hook, you know, because when you're on the cover of a magazine, your phone tends to ring. Mm -hmm. And so you know, I look back on that time as a very interesting time because I, I, I know during phases of my life when my addiction was bad and when I was really in it. Although during that time in my life, in my 20s, I had no idea that I suffered from a disease called alcoholism. I did not know that. I just thought I drank, you know, to party. And then in my thirties, I was busy having kids and raising kids. But when I turned 40, my ism progressed horribly, mm. like a freight train came in and just took me wow. out. 
And they say that's what it does. It really progresses. And it did for me. And I, I knew there was something wrong. I, I would label it as depression or I'd get really overwhelmed. And I, I just did not know what was wrong with me. And, and even when I kind of considered that maybe I had a drinking problem, even then I was still like, well, I'm not sure. <laughs> but the truth is I suffered horribly from a family disease also because my dad was a very big alcoholic and and interestingly enough his dad was not but his mother was a street drunk she was what you would think of when you think of somebody who's alcoholic she was on the street with a bottle and they'd take her to mental institutions and all of that and she died in a mental institution of alcoholism And then, you know, my dad, I haven't spoken to my dad in a very long time because I knew there was something with him. I now as an adult and as somebody who's in recovery, I know now that that's what it was because he was just always a very um, disconnected, inappropriate, uh, sarcastic, abusive human being. Mm -hmm. And, and that's okay. That's, he was deep in his disease. It's not okay for his family, but if that's the life he chooses, that's his life. And I have done a lot of work on that, obviously, but I will say that I, even when I started kind of thinking I might have that, then I, I, no, that can't be it. It's something more, you know? And so, you know, as I went on my journey, which, you know, this disease almost took me out a couple of times, you know, where I just, oh wow, you know, cause you get into that blackout drinking and I was a blackout right from the start. And, oh my. and okay. then, you know, the suicidal stuff starts happening and too many pills and all of that stuff. So it gets really dark. It's a really dark place and it's, it's empty. It's really empty. And I remember the first time I'll tell you in 2008, I hit my rock bottom, 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 woke up in the hospital two days later. And I was, there was a police officer in my room guarding me. I was on suicide watch and they gave me a choice. You know, I could either go before a judge or I could go get help. And obviously I chose, I didn't want to go through the legal system, you know, Mm -hmm. because they'd probably make me serve jail time. I don't know. I don't know. Really. It's, was a seems like a, a different lifetime ago, but I ended up going to rehab for three months, first to a kind of a lockdown situation and a detox, and then from there I went to two two months of rehab. And even in rehab, I have to tell you, it's such a baffling disease because in rehab I thought, okay, I'm okay now. I think I overreacted. We're mm-hmm. all good. Like I just needed a break from my life. Now I'm okay. I mean, denial, just like huge denial. And so it didn't, I didn't, it didn't really settle for me then. And I had to do a little bit more damage. And so finally, you know, you, I got sober. And when I finally got sober, it was like, everything had to go, everything. And I had to take it really seriously because it's, it, it just, it, it's such a cloud of, misinformation is what really starts to happen when you're deep in your drinking. It's a Mm -hmm. cloud of misinformation. And so if I'm listening to that, anything can happen. Anything can happen. So it took a while to really finally 
clear away all those cobwebs and kind of like swim out of it <laughs> mm-hmm. with, you know, just like, it was like slow motion because I had done so many years of abuse and, you know, just self-medicating. If I didn't feel good, I did this. Right. Mm-hmm. I shopped, I drank, I ran around with inappropriate men, you know, I did things to distract myself. And so it's really hard to stop all that. It's really hard to finally say enough is enough. And I'm sure as a healer, how many times somebody has come to you for, for work and you can feel that energy, you know, you can feel when somebody's abusing something outside themselves, you can feel it without a doubt. Oh, it's heavy. It's so heavy. It's heavy. That's why there's a book called drop the rock because you literally walk around carrying this big thing and then it's like you 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 find somebody else who's kind of like an addict and you're like here you want to hold my rock i'll hold yours yeah, right. for a while yeah let's switch it up <laughs> uh-huh. okay let's get real codependent mm-hmm. and um just it just turns into a big mess oh it's hard yeah i i know when they're lying to me you know because energetically yeah. i could feel it because yeah. as you said it's so heavy and i can taste it that's that's and, and i just know that no you you if if I'm not able to help yeah. you, you have to seek help. You have to do something about this or else, you know, you have to want to do it. Number one, not that somebody else wants you to do it because you need to make that choice for yourself. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a self-destructive path and it, it's a shame because I've seen some of them heal very well and have never had any type of addiction at all, you know, it all went away uh, over a lot of period of work. And then of course, some of them slowly, you know, because of peer pressure or going out or something uh, creeps back in. Yeah. And that's a shame when that happens. You know, I used to drink in my twenties and, and then I realized what, what am I doing? You know, here I want to have children. How can I be intoxicated and kind and, and, and have children. So, you know, I took it upon myself to truly stop. And so for all these years, when we go out or anything like that, if any of my friends say, oh, just have a little sip, I won't do it. I won't do it. I won't even take a little sip because I'm in control of the situation and I need to always be in control of it. Yeah. It's so funny. I I used to say I have a limit, you know, and addicts don't have a limit, but now today, my, my new thing is I have a three drink minimum, Mm -hmm. meaning when you've had three drinks, I'm out, you know, you're out. Yes. Uh The whole vibe of the room changes. And so I'm real careful now where I put my energy because I don't have a desire to drink, Mm -hmm. but I definitely can see that energy making me wonky. You know, and making me kind of like get off my game a little bit. So I'm Mm -hmm. real careful about how my energy is getting used, but it's, 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 it's a very scary, scary, scary. It's a disease of the mind. I mean, it's, you know, and it can easily, you know, start again. And of course I have to work on it every single day. And that's um, why I tell myself as a healer, you need to be authentic. And if you have that drink and yet you're telling people, you know, that are coming to you to stop drinking to me, that's, that's not right. Yeah. So I, I need to, you know, walk the walk and talk the talk. It it's says, exactly right. Yeah. So can you imagine like I have people that come to me that are just reaching for everything outside 
to -hmm. try to fix whatever's going on on the inside. And I can see it so clearly because I, that was something I used to do. So I get a lot of that. I get a lot of people that are scrambling is what I say, because that's what I did. You know, I, you know, the interesting part too, is I did have kids and really healthy kids. They're really healthy to this day. Thank goodness. But even though I wasn't drinking during that time in my life, I wasn't drinking heavily, but when I did drink, it was hit or miss. And I look back and reflect on that. I'm like, well, wait a second. I can remember going to the ER because I had alcohol poisoning. Like it was always an issue for my body. Mm -hmm. And then I was thinking about it. I was like, yeah. And there'd be like, like some nights I could have a bottle of wine and other nights it'd be like one glass and I'd be knocked out. So I was starting to reflect on that. And then if I wasn't drinking, I still had the ism. I still had that thing inside of me that was just screaming for something and I needed something to fix it. And I kept searching outside of myself. I never even thought to go within. I never even thought of it. I, I did yoga. I did do yoga and I did do adventure racing and that helped for that time period. But then once I stopped, it came back and it's, I I look at that pattern and I think, wow, it was there the whole time. And I just, I didn't know. We didn't know. Yeah. I did my work too. And, and, and once I did my work, a lot of my physical ailments actually cleared themselves because it was all, you know, here, mental and emotional. Oh yeah. It's amazing. It's just amazing. It's so, Mm -hmm. of course, I like to say, of course. (laughs) yeah so wow so I mean so I know you were in movies also so how did you like put that aside all that and then then you you also got into the insurance company well that happened out of desperation so what had happened was at 40 I got divorced and I had three young children and I had to reinvent myself and I had no idea I'd never really worked a job So I say that, you know, because I'd always been in the entertainment world somehow, and I grew up in the entertainment, you know, I was a dancer, then model, then actress doing commercials, worked on the fashion channel, you know, I had all that stuff, but that doesn't really serve you at 40 years old when you're having to feed three kids, you know, you can't just jump back into a career. And so I, I did sporadic jobs here and there, but I had to really get serious. So I first got my real estate license and then 2008 happened. So that was kind of a wash. And I think it was in 2010, I got my life insurance license. I aligned myself with the best insurance brokerage in Beverly Hills. And by 2012, 13, I was like the number one life agent for two, two, three years in a row. I did really well. And it's really, I attribute it to the fact that I called every single person in my phone. And Mm -hmm. then I would say, if you don't want to do your insurance, would you at least refer me to a couple of people that I could meet with and have lunch with? And I just kept going until going. Yeah. And so I really built that business with really (laughs) just hustle, persistence, and aligning myself with the right with the right people because it I wasn't an expert at insurance what I was an expert in was networking mm. and bringing bringing people to the table 
And so that was the gift that I had. That was my, whatever you want to call it. That was my, so, so that's why you, you don't, you don't take a no for an answer then. <laughs> no, uh -huh. I, I used to mm -hmm. say, actually, I, I had a little stint where I worked for a print company in New York and I did all their procurement and that job was really taught me a lot because first I had to live in New York. And if you've never lived in New York, I, I highly recommend everybody lives in New York in their twenties for one year, because that was total hustle. And yeah. people are not late in New York. And if you're not on, if you're not early, you're late. <laughs> so I, you know, there's no California. I'm stuck in traffic excuse. No. This was like, if you're not there at the table or at the meeting five, 10 minutes early, you're considered late. And so I had this whole new outlook on how I did and conducted myself in business. And so that really, and through that business, I reconnected with somebody who was in the insurance business and moved back to California to do insurance. Oh, what was okay. really interesting is sometimes we think that something we've done throughout our life was a waste of time, but that print opportunity, mm -hmm. I got five of my top life insurance from working that job in New York. Wow. Five people that I met with in New York became my clients. And that was just meant huge. To be. So it was mm -hmm. really, that, that was time well spent. But where no means maybe came from is when I was working in New York because things move so fast. And my, my boss, the owner of the company that I worked for, he made me VP of procurement. Basically, he made me VP of hustle and networking. Mm -hmm. And he, we would say when we'd have our meetings, we'd go through the list of all the potential things that I was working on. And I'd say, this person said, no, this person, my thing was that I always go, well, next, next, mm -hmm. because it's, they'll come back around. Yeah. So let's just put it here. Yeah. They'll come back around. And the really cool thing was, is how I know this works is it took me a while to get into Revlon. I finally got in. I had a friend who was very good friends with uh, Ron Perlman, who's the CEO, founder of Revlon. And she said, well, let me see what I can do. I said, look, I don't need to meet with him. <laughs> you know, he's the owner of the company. I just need mm -hmm. to get in with procurement. And I spent like two, three weeks, like, kept checking back with her. And she finally called me. She said, he'll give you 10 minutes. I said, who he, who he, Ron wow. Perlman, he'll give you 10 minutes. I said, Ron Perlman's going to give me 10 minutes. So he did. I literally showed up to his office. They put me in a room with his assistant and they said, Mr. Perlman will be in, in a few minutes. And he came in, he goes, okay, what do you got? And I wow. literally did yes. a, I did a five minute pitch, not a 10 minute pitch because I was like wow. so scared. So I did a five minute pitch. I said, I just need to get to your head of procurement da, 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 da. and I pitched a product and he said to his assistant, get her a meeting with so-and-so. And the gentleman's name was Ronald. The reason I was going to tell you the story is because Ron, not Ron Perlman, but the person that he introduced me to it'll come to me, but we met, he was the head of procurement and he knew that I got in through, you know, and people kind of, they don't like that. They like, you'd have to work really hard to get to them. Mm -hmm. And I got in pretty easily. And so, oh, yeah. so we kind of, you know, kind of, you know, 
shopped me around procurement and tossed me around. And I said, just let me have one project, one project. Mm -hmm. Let me prove myself to you. And then we'll go from there. Anyway, cut to didn't do a lot of business with them. Didn't ever, didn't ever really pan out. But when I moved back to LA, this is where I get no means. Maybe I moved back to LA that head of procurement. I can't think of his name right now for some reason, but he reached out to me on LinkedIn oh. and he said, wow, I see you're doing really well in LA and you're in insurance now. I just moved to LA. I'm no longer working for Revlon. I'd love to meet you and have a cup of coffee. Wow. Gee, <laughs> this is somebody in New timing. York uh -huh. that did not want to do business with me. Uh -huh. You see, and this is why I say no means maybe we mm -hmm. never know. And so this is why know. we don't, we don't take it personally. We don't, we just, exactly. okay, next move mm -hmm. on. And so sure enough, he reached out to me when I moved back to California and we met and had coffee and, you know, and you get referrals this way. Referrals, so you yeah. never know. No, I don't know what he was know. going through at Revlon. I don't know if he was being held to a certain budget or, and he couldn't include me and you never know is what I'm saying. Yeah. So when people say no, I say maybe. Yeah. And they'll take it personally. And sometimes it may not be the right spiritual timing. No, there's nothing to take personally. It's just, no, it's not just, at all. it's just maybe. Yeah, just, yeah, exactly. So, all right. So while wow, you, You've been through a lot. So how did you, I, I know you're a published author now. How did that happen? I know, I see, I like, it's beautiful. <laughs> and I, I displayed this really well. So yes, um, <laughs> this happened. So what had happened is I started out writing a weekly blog. When I started really creating this 90 day program that I work and I take my clients through and how I kind of created that. And it's really nothing new, so to speak. I just took all the best things from everything I've ever done in my life mm -hmm. and created a program, which is what I think most good coaches would do. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, but one of the things I added to this was I started writing a weekly blog and I blogged my experience through the 90 day program. Oh, okay. So that's how I started writing. And I, and because of the response I started to get through the writing, I just thought, wow, I think it's time for me to write a book. Write a book. This book came about because my grandfather wrote a manuscript 40 years ago. Oh. And I have the box here somewhere, but in, in the box were all the letters. They had sent it to all the different publishers and got all these rejection letters. And I have a few of them. And so I'm keeping them because I'm not quite sure what I want to do with it yet. But my grandfather died, left us in 1998. Cut to in 2017, my grandmother was dying. She lived a long, beautiful life. And I went to be with her when she was dying. And when I was cleaning out her garage, I found the box with the book oh, with and the I book. opened it up and I said, would it be okay if I, if I took this box, you know, could mm -hmm. I possibly, you know, do something with something it? And my grandmother it. at that point was like, it's been sitting in a box, of course. <laughs> uh -huh. So then it sat here in LA for another two years. Ah, And then when COVID hit, I think it was like 2019, I opened the box and I remember in my dining room, 
I would read something and then set it down and then I read something else. And by the time I was finished, I had pages everywhere. And I'm like, this is a book. Mm-hmm. This is a book. It was kind of a mess. And there was a lot of stuff that was a mis- you know, a lot of editing mistakes and things like that. But I sent it to a couple people that I know in the literary business. And, and their response was, this is really good. I thought, right? I thought mm-hmm. so. You know, because I'm, I'm a little biased because it's a story based on my grandfather. Right, on your granddad. Yeah. And so after working on it for two years, it, it launched October 25th. Wow. It is a book. I co-wrote um, and when I say I co-wrote, I literally went through this book probably dozens of times, really. I mean, it was just making sure there were so many things that, and I had to guess because that's why he's it's a historical here. fiction because he's not mm-hmm. here. And I didn't know, you know, for a while I kept thinking, no, it's going to be about him. And then I thought, oh, we can't do that because he's not here and I can't fact check a lot of stuff. So it's a historical fiction, but I had to make sure all the characters lined up. Because as I was going through it, I was like, wait a second, is this the same character? And so that's like doing a really hard puzzle. And it can be really frustrating because you're Mm -hmm. like, wait a second. And then where was that page? And then, and so then I found a really nice boutique publisher that saw the vision of the book and enjoyed it as much as I did. And, and so together with them and, and the PR people that I hired, you know, it's been a journey and it's beautiful. It's taught me a lot about the book business because I did that was all new. It was a lot of learning. And I've had a really nice virtual book tour. I've done a lot of radio shows and this type of uh, podcasting and to talk about the journey of the book. And it's it's beautiful. Now I'm working on the screenplay because I really think it should be a movie. And uh, yeah, so I will say for your your listeners Mm -hmm. tonight or today or whenever the show airs, Mm -hmm. um, if they go to my website and subscribe to my personal letter and just mention that they heard me on your show, I will send them a free signed copy of the book. Oh, we'll definitely put that in in uh, on the bottom of everything. Yeah. Wow. So so, but so you have that book, and the, aren't you an author of another book? That, yeah. That so you write. I have or... another. I did not write the whole book. What it is is it's kind of like a chicken soup for the soul. Oh. And it's okay. called Here Comes the Sun, and that is uh, nonfiction, and it's all these beautiful women that collaborated. We all wrote a chapter in the book. My chapter happens to be on addiction because the book is Here Comes the Sun. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was a really good time for me to come out of the closet um, with my addiction because I really had never talked about, about I've talked about business. You know, for a long time, I was going to be a business coach and speak on stages before COVID um, on business and no means maybe. And, you know, just all this like business philosophy that I had and what got me through and how, how I got to be in the top 5% of us, you know, to in sales is a big accomplishment. Oh yes, it is. And so I was going to go on stages and do that. That was going to be what I was going to do. But when I was in COVID and really working on my healing journey, I realized that when I really talk to people and work with people that Usually what's holding them back from any success in business is something they're dealing with internally. And so I thought, Mm -hmm. no, that's what I want to coach. I want to be more of that, not a healer, but more of really addressing what's going on 
inside. Cause I think when we do that, when we really take ourselves on a little personal journey, our business will just reap the benefits. It's the truth. Definitely. I mean, I, when I came here many years ago, um, a lot of my friends back East, you know, I, I applied for a, a position as a healer uh, at the Four Seasons Hotel in Westlake Village. And uh, they were opening California Health and Longevity Institute. Oh, yes, I and know I, it. Right. So, well, I was the healer there for 15 years. So, okay. So, um, you are very familiar then with the ranch. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the ranch. Oh, of course. Actually, uh, I, I was the healer for the ranch. They would come to the hotel and I would see them Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sundays. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Because I've been oh, yeah. to the ranch several times. And I, what mm -hmm. I would do is I wanted to do both. So I'd start out at Westlake and do the four days and then go to Malibu. Oh so yeah. The Malibu. The whole, so I'd get a good, you know, 12 yeah. days in of that. And so I know that whole thing really mm -hmm. well. So yeah, it's a small world. Yeah, it's a small world. So I, I, uh, he had interviewed, uh, you know, about a hundred people and my friends back, he said, oh, they'll never hire you. You're too Brooklyn and blah, blah, blah. And, and I had a lot of experience with 9-11 and a lot of with cancer patients. I, I did a lot back East and my interview was like a, an hour and a half. And I figured, oh, this could be good. And all I, you know, I remember getting up and, and looking at Dr. Tan at the time. And I said, you know, Dr. Tan, you should hire me. And he looked at me with this smile. He said, well, why would I hire you? I said, because I'll always come from love. And he looks at me, he says, you know, I shouldn't tell you this, but right now you're my number one, but I have 30 more people to hire. And I, I, to you know, interview. I, yes. At the oh, interview. Wow. I know. And so I, I said to him, all I'm asking is if it's yes or no, just please call me. And he looked at me and said, you know, I promise I will call you. So like it was about maybe two or three weeks later, the phone rings. And I see it's the Four Seasons. Now my heart is like pounding like crazy. And then, but before I answered the phone, I says, God, if this is meant to be, if I'm supposed to be there, it'll happen. So he, you know, we, we chat a little bit and he says, you know, I really don't know how to tell you this because I know I told you, you were my number one when, you know, you started. And I said to him, Dr. Tan, it's okay. It's okay. You know? He's all, all right. He's well, I feel better now that you're telling me it's okay. He says, so, um, so do you think you could start tomorrow? So, and Beautiful. that was my journey with CHLI. I mean, unfortunately they went out of business last year, but, um, I did the ranch. Um, I did a lot of the fortune 500 companies. I mean, it was an incredible journey for me and it made everything that I was doing. It finally made it real. Because here I was in a facility that accepted what I was doing. Yeah. There was a woman that I worked with. I'll never forget this. You, you might remember her name. I can't think of it right now. But she was a therapist and, or a counselor. And they offered that when you were staying at the 4.0, that you could work with her. And I can't think of her name, but I said, oh, Alana? Yes. Alana. And you know what's funny? Uh-huh. This is why I just believe in like this, this wave of energy mm -hmm. and serendipity, because I knew her from where my kids went to preschool in LA. Oh, she was funny. very good friends with one of the moms that was the mom of, you know, one of my kids friends in preschool. I said, wait a minute, I know you. Cause I got I walked in the room and she told me her name and I went, wait a minute, I know oh, you. Uh, and uh -huh. I'm like, what a small world. But anyway, she ended up helping me 
with a, uh, this would have been probably six years ago. Um, and she helped me with a situation that I was dealing with. My youngest daughter was moving back from Texas to live with me and, and I had to work through something and I thought, well, what, what, what harm would it do? I might as well talk to this person that I don't know and get mm -hmm. an outsider's opinion. And she ended up really helping me. We spent like an hour and a half together. It was really fun. Oh yes. Yeah. She, she, I, you know, uh, her and I, we always got along so well. I mean, yeah, she's lovely sit and just chat forever. So, which yeah. was a beautiful thing. You know, but uh, wow. yeah, Alana. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think she world. lives now in New York City. But yeah, I used to work with the ranch all the time, and actually, um, the owner um, Sue? wrote uh, Sue. Yeah, Sue wrote a testimonial in my book. Yeah, so, yeah, Sue's lovely, yeah. and I can't think of her husband's name right now, but they are just lovely. Yeah, I can't. What they create what they but... created. I love what oh, they created. Oh. It's so. I just remember. Beautiful. I remember the first time I went. I've been a few times. And the first time I went, I thought, this is, this is what I envision for myself mm -hmm. and for my kids someday, like something like, like a wellness place for people to go, you know, and that's what they, they created. An it's just job. a beautiful yeah. wellness place. The food is spectacular. Oh yeah. Well, they wanted me to work at the ranch in Malibu, but unfortunately the, the drive, I live in Simi Valley. So the, the drive is a little bit much and the the mountains are a little bit much too. So <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I was drive. very, I remember I was very worried about them. Mm -hmm. They lost their, they called it the romper room. They lost the romper room and the fires. And I yeah. remember I was very worried about them because, you know, they become, you, they become like family. They, I've oh, taken yeah. my kids, my kids and I spent the holidays there. Oh, yeah. They're you beautiful know? souls. Yeah. They're yeah. good people. They're really good people. So, well, where can my listeners get a hold of you? <laughs> the best place is uh -huh. at my website, which is so easy because it's my name, DebraDriggs.com. I'm pretty okay. easy to find on the internet. Mm -hmm. So yeah, my name, DebraDriggs.com. Again, if anybody's listening right now, uh, I would love to send you a signed copy of my book. And to do that, you just subscribe to my personal letter and let me know. Just when you subscribe, you, if you can put a little note or I'll see when it comes in and then I'll just say, did you hear me on the show? And I'll ask and, and then I'll send you a signed copy of the book. But yeah, just subscribe to my personal letter. I'm pretty good about reaching out to people and, um, you know, I kind that of received one of your letters the other day, the newsletter. I have to, I can't wait to read it. It's all about healing. You, you, um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I said, Oh, I got to read this one. <laughs> yeah. It's uh -huh. probably about my healing club. Cause I'm going to meet with people now twice a month via zoom. And so I'm inviting my, 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 all my followers for the last two years. Like I'm now, I never thought I was going to do that, but now I've decided to do it. And it's just because I just kind of like, it's just morphing into what it's morphing into. And I'll tell you what, two years ago, if somebody would have told me this is what I'd be doing I you know, but it's the beautiful that when you're really aligned with what, where you're supposed to be in life, that's yeah. what happens. And it's, it just gets so cool and exciting and simple. It's really simple. It, My days are very simple now. And I like it that way. Well, that's mine are also. And I say, well, thank you. I mean, yeah, I struggled. Don't get me wrong for quite a while, but now it, it's all, it's all good. And I listen, I'm aware, I'm mindful. Uh, it's a, it's a whole different world. Yeah. It's a beautiful, it's beautiful. world of yeah. Yeah, great gratitude, joy, love, 
happiness, you name it. And it's there. Yeah. It's I there noticed as we were talking, I noticed that you have a flag on top of your bookshelf. That's Is my that- dad's. Yeah. My father, he, yeah. uh, he passed away uh, about 10 years ago and um, he was um, in the Navy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And my so grandson my grand- is a Marine. He's a Marine now. So um, he's in so, Indonesia. So- yeah. So we're praying to oh, God. Wow. There's no why. <laughs> I know. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so my grandfather was mm-hmm. uh, World War II. Yes. Mm-hmm. The Korean War and the Vietnam War. So I, I noticed that because we have that for him. We have it for my stepfather who was in the Marines. A lot of military in my family. Oh, yeah. That's the same with us. Yeah. yeah. A lot of military. Um, and yeah, I, I leave it there. And it's just, um, I'm grateful. You know, he was in World War II also on the Navy ship and they were lost yeah. at sea. But, yeah. you know, uh, I'm grateful for a lot of the stories that he told me. Uh, and maybe one day I will put them all in a book and uh, get that one out. <laughs> I love it. You absolutely should. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, geez, I cannot thank you enough. I mean, I truly enjoy, I wish we had more time because yeah. I think we could go on forever here. But, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> Barbara, it was such a pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much you. for allowing me this time and allowing me to share my journey. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. And uh, again, a big thank you to Deborah Driggs and, you know, check her out and get that book, please. And um, thank you to my listeners. And I hope that you heard what you needed to hear today. And uh, visit me at motivateyourlife.net. And please subscribe to this YouTube channel, uh, the Spiritual Warrior Coach Podcast. We're also on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, iHeartRadio, quite many places. And um For those of you may be interested in learning energy healing, uh, check out my book, Gentle Energy Touch, Beginner's Guide to Hands-On Healing. It's on Amazon. So I would like to leave uh, all of you with this positive affirmation. So, you know, just take time, just, just look in the mirror and look in your beautiful eyes and then say to yourself, you know, I am grateful for who I am and what I have. So, uh, Thank you all for listening and have a beautiful week filled with love and with light. Love, Barbara.